Like most of human history, this show is filled with coarse language, is totally filthy, and is absolutely unfit for children. Listener discretion is advised. the episode, well, I, but I guess I came into this with expectations well, that were honestly, too goddamn well, high, well, and would, I'm sorry that I put all that on both of you. Well, I you honest, sons of bitches. I know, you I'm done with your riff? Are you done with your bit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm about there. I, I, was, I honestly would just start with, like, what we're talking about, and then as you talk about the story, we just, like, add in our comments. No, I right, know. That's only what I planned on. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was waiting on something that would build into, like, the intro to the show. Right. Yes, my notes reek of alcohol. Again, almost as it if... It actually kind of smells like coffee. Yeah, it's a very strong beer. Um, it's almost as if, like, a clumsy buffoon uh, knocked over... A bunch of alcohol all over my show notes. All right, all right, all right. Hey, everyone, this is Drunk Thunks. I am Michael. <laughs> I'm Brittany. And I'm JK. And we're a podcast where we uh, get drunk and talk about history. So uh, this week, Jake is going to be reading us a story. Jake, what are you going to be talking so about? So I'm going to be talking about, um, this is going to be fun, because I'm going to be joking about what is to Russians like a really sad moment in their history, but it's also <laughs> in a really dark, fucked up way kind of funny. We're going to talk about the build-up. That's just our the, sense of humor in a nutshell, really. Yeah, we're just <laughs> monsters, both desperate for and undeserving of love. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, you're not wrong. So in May 1905, the Imperial Japanese Navy and the Russian Baltic Fleet fought one of the most decisive surface fleet battles in the 20th century, the Battle of Tsushima. Okay. And while the Battle of Tsushima itself is pretty great, the real joy in this story, and again, I'm saying this as I've talked about an event that ends with like 4,000 dead Russians, so I mean... Only 4,000? For Russian numbers, it's very low, but I mean, it's still not a good event. I should feel bad for joking about this, and in fact, I do. It's just, I know what I am. Jesus. <laughs> we've, we've already begun this process, so it just comes with an understanding of our monstrous nature. Yeah. And, and, um, for, and for those listening, I finished a second bottle of wine, so Michael reached behind and grabbed me another one. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, one <laughs> Yeah. To this. Yes. Yeah, this is a... To the thing my family will definitely be ashamed of me for. (laughs) As if I weren't already the family disappointment. (laughs) Continue. Up there. (laughs) Okay. Um, So we're going to talk about the Battle of Tsushima. Now, the battle itself is interesting. Like I said, it's one of the great kind of decisive uh, fleet battles of the 20th century. However, for me personally, the real joy in this story comes from the... A tale of the Russian fleet getting to the Sea of Japan, which is just an 18,000-mile odyssey of incompetence and hilarity. And boy, I'm excited to share it with all of you. I, boy, am I so excited to hear it. It's yeah, great. It sounds like me going home for a family reunion, so <laughs> yeah, it's going to be lovely. <laughs> so um, real quick, first I just want to get a few things out of the way. Um, as I've hinted at, we're going to have our giggles with this story, but... um. This isn't meant to insult any of the dead people. Most oh, of the God, people no. in the story, I have a lot of sympathy no. for. Oh, this is a bunch of poor people who signed up for the Navy or were conscripted. I, I, uh, I cannot stress how terrible of people we are for yes, laughing there are, pretty much anything. <laughs> there are like 
five things in my life that I felt truly bad for laughing at. Um, and also, we decided to start there. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, this is pretty much where we're going to be at for the entire length of this podcast. So, um, welcome. Um, <laughs> Also, I'm not a linguist, cunning or otherwise, so you're going to hear mispronunciations in this. <laughs> oh, proud of that joke. Uh, you have no idea how You're happy so I was with that. How many times have you made that one? Oh, um, I nailed it. <laughs> you did. Um, also, yeah. I'm going to acknowledge our sources. Now, heads up with this. First off, we're not claiming... <laughs> for which I'm sure my father is very happy. He's been a like, lot you of guys, I know you did. Did you, you, did I you major? I went to college, and I briefly majored in history. I was originally an education major, switched to history, being young and stupid, pissed that opportunity away, and uh, I've dropped out, so yeah. Um, but anyway, we're not going to try and sell ourselves off as, you know, an authority on anything. We're people who like history and enjoy having oh, not, fun with it. Like, not That's right. Remote. So to that end, um, all the same, I want to acknowledge sources because I want to do some reading, so I wasn't completely speaking out of my ass here. Uh, for this, maritime ah, fuck me, <laughs> maritime operations and the Russo-Japanese War by Sir Julian Corbett is awesome. I really want to do an episode on him in the future, which that means we're gonna do it. I I just said it. There you go. Um, I'm also using Tsushima 1905: Death of a Russian Fleet by Mark Larly Bogdanovic, and the Battle of the Sea of Japan by Nikolai Klado. And lastly, the battle is there. Boy, it sounds like a fucking nightmare. Jesus. <laughs> so um. Really, some really, really quick background. I'm going to try not to do too much of this. Uh, the Russo-Japanese War very wisely realized that they were on the dinner menu, essentially, for a bunch of European countries. Oh, yeah. And so they um, <laughs> oh, yeah. they essentially went ahead and realized, we got to modernize really quickly. They did that, and it's really fucking amazing. Uh, someone much smarter than me should talk about it. Because Japan transitioning from essentially a medieval society to a modern industrial one's like crazy. It's it's really impressive. So basically, Japan rapidly industrializes and militarizes. They build their army based off the German model at the time, probably the best land military in Europe. They build their navy off the uh, British model again, definitely best navy in the world at that time period. And they very years become really scary. And they proved that in the first Sino-Japanese War with China, uh, where they just trounce the Chinese on land and sea, and they hit the imperial jackpot. They get Taiwan, uh, they get a ton of money and prestige, and the most important bit they get, the thing most germane to our story, is they get the Liaodong Peninsula, which is right here for oh. Michael and Brittany. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because um, I know jack about geography. Uh, if you guys are looking at a map of South... Of Korea. Yeah, Korea. It is basically the peninsula right to the left of Korea on a map, or yeah. to the east, right? I'm not good with compass. That's the view. Classy. Um, <laughs> it's like a little finger going dee, 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 underneath there. Yeah. Come hither. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with you two doing that. Um, <laughs> like, you two look at each other kind of... Your fingers at each other. Yes. But that's how we found it out. <laughs> So, um, the problem arises after the war because... Jake reads so many books, he's not happy. <laughs> Get out of here. I'm <laughs> <laughs> So, um, the problem arises after the war because the Russians are wanting to expand into this area that Japan just took. So, they're able to talk the French and the Germans to su into supporting them, and they go in and essentially tell Japan, Get out of uh, the Liaodong uh, Peninsula... 
Or, you know, there might be some trouble. What are we going to come and fuck you up? Honestly, yes. It's essentially the nation-state equivalent of an extortion racket. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like a shakedown. Yeah. So this triple intervention, like I said, occurs because Russia really wants that peninsula. They want the city of Lushun, in this story called Port Arthur in particular. Um, Japan obviously can't fight all three of those countries, especially at this time, so they agree. Now, the war ends in 1895. Right, and shortly thereafter, the Russians kick the Japanese out. By 1898, the Russians have taken over this entire peninsula, including Port Arthur, and they have fortified it and said this is Imperial Russian territory. Um, it is the nation-state equivalent of telling Japan to go fuck themselves, because they didn't even like try to disguise or anything. They like get out of here, and then as soon as they were gone, they went like pitch their tents. So, like this is ours now. They just walked in and squatted. Yeah. And it's basically because European countries at this time period didn't respect Japan as a power, as a mix of condescension and just flat out <laughs> racism. Right. Right. So the Russians at the same time are also making progress towards gaining influence over Korea. Um, from the Japanese perspective, this is about as unacceptable to them as the Soviets having missile bases on Cuba was to the United States. It's a national security issue. Japan cannot accept this. Okay. In 1902, to protect themselves from another triple intervention, the Japanese form an alliance with uh, Great Britain called, what is it, the Anglo-Japanese Alliance. And basically, this ensures that if Russia and Japan get into it, no one else is going to come in to help Russia. Because when you really need a European to just step in and protect your country... Especially, like, if you're an island like Japan. Right. Because, I mean, frankly... I have my own personal list of great militaries. Um, Japan from this period is on that list. Mm -hmm. And frankly, you can make a very good case for the British from this period being on this list. So those two together in an alliance is... That's scary. Yeah. Especially if you're Russia, which we'll get into why that's scary <laughs> for the Russians. So in August 1903, Japan opens negotiations with Russia, basically trying to avoid a war and set limits on Russia's imperial expansion. Um, the problem is Russia doesn't think they should negotiate with Japan, because why would they? We're, you know, cultured, dignified white people, and these are basically, and I'm going to quote directly here, this is not me, Michael, I see you staring at me with your dagger eyes. I'm just waiting for it to come out. Um, the Russians call them, and again, this is a direct quote, yellow monkeys. Oh my god. Wow. Jake, um, I can't believe you would say that. Yeah, you know. Um... They basically uh, treated the Japanese as little better than the Siberian peoples they had been displacing for the past hundred years. And the or level so. of respect there was not high. Typically low. I would say about the same level of respect that the U.S. had for Native Americans. Not great. Yeah. Not not historically not, not a, super not high. No, <laughs> they weren't being buddies. Um, this is helped by Kaiser Wilhelm II, who again I think is another person we should do an episode on. Absolutely. Um. He's basically fueled by yellow peril propaganda, this idea that peoples from China and Japan will come to Europe and swamp Christendom. And he is desiring to focus Russia's attention away from Europe. So he's edging Nicholas II on, oh, Nicholas II being the Tsar of Russia at this time. Sure. Real idiot. Like, real bad. Uh, he's an idiot. I, I, I don't like him. by... By his uh, cousin, Wilhelm II. That's right. Were they cousins, yeah. right? They were related. They were definitely... Oh, yeah, they were What European year did you say? 1902? Yeah. Like the year? Okay. They're definitely related, because, yeah, you're right. European monarchies and this. Their family tree looks like the Olympic rings. Oh, my God. Oh it just keeps running God. in circles. <laughs> so, um... Basically, the problem here is Japan thinks that um, they're operating under a time crunch. 
Uh, Russia is right on the edge of finishing the Trans-Siberian Railroad. So from the Japanese perspective, if the Russians finish that, they can just move their massive, if shitty, armies all the way across Siberia and just swamp the Japanese army. <laughs> Didn't like that line, huh? It's so bad. <laughs> just oh, sugar without... Here, give me some. Here, yeah, try it. Just smell it first. Well, no, he, he too late. What is that? It's Chardonnay. It's, it's literally it just piss. like foot water. It's punishment. I, do, I don't want to hear it. I've tasted the drinks that you both drink. Those are liquor. That's different. This is... God, it's like stale urine. It It's you pretty rough. You know what? You're like stale urine. It's like an apothecary's leftovers. I'm an apothecary's leftovers. <laughs> Basically, Japan thinks that they're operating under this like incredible time crunch. And okay. The more they delay, the worse their chances of winning this war. On a December twenty or the twenty first of December nineteen oh three, Japan decides we're gonna give it one last shot if they don't take that war at war. Okay. On thirteenth January, uh the Japanese give Russia their last offer. Russia gets Manchuria as their sphere of influence, Japan gets Korea. Okay. And everyone leaves happy. Fair deal, everybody gets a fair shake. Yeah. I mean not the Koreans or the people living in Manchuria or yeah, the well, Chinese, but you know. you know, this is the age of imperialism and you know, what are their concerns among great powers? Yeah, you know, uh, by the way, I'm not a fan of imperialism. <laughs> I just want to point that out. You're a lot I, of backtracking here, Jake. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's almost as if I'm as if I'm protesting too much, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So the Russians just flat out ignored this. So on the fourth of January, Japan breaks diplomatic uh, contact with Russia. Four days later, on the eighth, the Imperial Japanese Navy uh, sails into Port Arthur. With torpedo boats, torpedoes, uh, I believe it's two Russian battleships and a Russian cruiser right there in port, and then declare war a few hours later. Okay, so they let's... There's a little just... bit of a historical pattern you'll notice with Japan declaring war on um, <laughs> some countries. Almost as if they're like, that's eh, fine. They'll get over it if we do a sneak attack. We'll figure it and out. And then in some cases we don't. We drop two atomic bombs. But that's a whole other story. That, that's a story for another time. That's yeah. probably not going to get covered as an episode. Probably not. Uh, honestly, yeah, that's a tough topic to make funny. Yeah. And, and I can <laughs> make a lot of bad things you know, funny, at least to me. Perhaps not. So anyway, uh, the Japanese quickly clamped down a blockade on Port Arthur on um, February 13th, 1904, on April 1st, the Japanese army is able to land and support that with a siege. Uh, the so Russian... we're coming from both ends at this point. Yes, like, it's a full-on war. It is um, what Sir Julian Corbett would call mixed operations. Uh, the Japanese are all in. They're fighting the war. Okay. The Russian fleet tries to break out of port a few times. The Japanese fight them in a few inconclusive battles, but nothing really changes the Pacific Fleet is bottled up, the Russian Pacific Fleet. So this puts the Russians in a bind, so they start looking for solutions. They Now, they technically have a larger fleet on paper. The okay. problem is the Russian fleet's divided into three major areas. The Pacific Squadron, the Black Sea Squadron, and the Baltic Squadron. All right. Uh, the Pacific Squadron's stuck in port. Okay. The Black Sea Squadron has to get permission from Turkey to leave the Black Sea, so they're closer... But the Turks, historically not fans of the Russians, so when the Russians basically like, hey, what if we took our fleet and, you know, sailed past the, Dar the Dardanelles, the Turks are like, no. <laughs> Absolutely why not. Why don't you eat shit and die? Here's an idea. Um, go fuck yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so that basically leaves them with only one other option, the Baltic fleet. The Baltic fleet is on paper technically the best fleet Russia has. It okay. has some of their most advanced warships, the Borodino class, which 
you know, you should look them up because it'll take someone smarter than me to describe them properly. Um, check out the 1905 Death of a Russian Fleet book. It's phenomenal. It's really good for getting an idea of the fleets. All right. Um, there's a problem with this, though. That fleet uh, sails out of Kronstadt, which is west of St. Petersburg. <laughs> Thank you. You know your geography. I um, absolutely do not. Um, St. Petersburg <laughs> is up near, like, Finland. Okay. Uh, this war is in the Sea of Japan. Uh, oh. To give you an idea, that is an 18,000-mile journey. One of the longest possible road trips you can take. And it gets better. Uh, this is a period of warships run off of coal. So in order to keep, like, in order to project naval power, you need to either have... <laughs> Uh, basically, ships laden down with coal lined up at strategic places to meet you. Right. Which is what the Russians will have to do here. Or you'll need overseas coaling stations. Guess what the Russians have none of? None. None. <laughs> I mean, they're able to arrange the coaling ships, but it's still not a good idea. Oh my God. Um, Jesus to make things even worse, the Baltic fleet, at the, this is kind of a weird period in battleship designs. Yeah. So people are making a ton of experimental ships. The Baltic fleet is Filled with experimental ship designs. Um, some of its battleships were 1,500 tons over... Yeah, 1,500 tons overweight, which meant that its secondary armaments and any anything other than a nice sea were awash, meaning they couldn't fire their secondary guns. Um, in some cases, the ships had belt armor that in practice ended up below the waterline, meaning that they would have at most uh, four feet of armor protection from enemy shells. So it's like... It's it's essentially like having nothing. Yeah. You might as well be wearing a t-shirt. Yeah, it's, it's basically nothing. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Because the, the belt armor is what protects you from enemy gunfire. It's like bringing a male shirt to a crotch kick and fight. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and to give you an idea of how, frankly... Again, on paper, the Russian fleet is really good. It's the third largest fleet in the world at this time. They've got the numbers. Idea, yes, to give you an idea of the actual quality of it, one of their ships sank in harbor shortly before even setting out Jesus. and had to be refloated. An auspicious beginning. So guys, here we're at my favorite part. Um, I like to call it uh, an Odyssey of Incompetence or my other favorite, the Odyssey of the Damned. <laughs> Both are great. So... Honestly, if I and had a band, I would name it either one of those Honestly, names. the Odyssey of the Damned is a pretty great band name. It's a pretty fucking great band name. Um, <laughs> so this... This fleet is placed under the command, uh, and I'm going to try real hard with the name here, so please bear with me. Admiral Zinovi uh, Rosatensky. Or, fuck me. <laughs> Rosatensky. He's, he's trying so hard. No, I actually practiced this earlier, and I just, like, flubbed it right there. You looked it um, up. Rosatensky. Um, it's okay, buddy. He's basically a guy who joined the Russian Navy from 17. He... Climbed the ranks really not without or without a patronage until later, or not without a patron until later in his career. He got by purely based on essentially the quality of his seamanship and the quality of his ass cheeks. I'm sure. Well, Jesus Christ, my God! But I mean, he was a, he's a good naval commander. Yeah, the guy's got um, shots. He, was, he fought a or he commanded a ship in a battle against a Turkish battleship and won the Order of Saint George. Hence the reason that the Baltic fleet can't get out. The Black Sea Fleet. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, he spent a few years helping the Bulgarians build their navy. He was the Russian naval attache to the British. In 1902, he became the Tsar's chief naval aide. Uh, like, this guy is actually technically really good at his job. Yeah, he's hot stuff. Like, he's not bad, certainly. Um, he also had a reputation for an explosive temper. He was known for uh, punching sailors and knocking their teeth out, or angrily throwing his binoculars over the side of his ship in fits of rage. God damn it! 
Yes, literally that. <laughs> For what? He, what? What are sailors getting that mad about? You'll see. I am so excited for you. Being on the ocean. Um, uh, but I mean, and despite all this, he was he was a strict disciplinarian. But he actually showed for the Russian military a lot of concern for his men, and he's fairly fair minded from everything I've read. While also beating the living shit out of them. Yes, I mean, not a good guy, but you know, for Russian commanders, he's not like. Hello, Baslevich. You go over there and you stop their bullets with your body. Yes, <laughs> like he's not like that. Right. Um, I frankly, am I am so turned on by your Russian. <laughs> oh boy. Well, yes, you like that, don't you? You're just gushing all over the place. <laughs> um, a wise man once said, "Sploosh." Uh, um, so frankly, I have a lot of sympathy for this guy, and uh, he was also, trying really hard. He. You ever seen a guy who just has the entire deck stacked against him right from the get-go? Yeah. Oh, also, uh, yeah, this seen, is great. Uh, I've seen my me. grades before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look at my bank account every day. Uh, right. I've looked at my birth certificate. <laughs> oh, that's rough, buddy. Um, he also, and by the way, I really love this. I'm including this for you because I know you'll like this. Uh, he had a habit of giving his officers and their ships pejorative nicknames like, quote, the brainless nihilist, and quote, the slutty old geezer. Oh my god. <laughs> I want the slutty old geezer to be on my tombstone. I think if you and I ever like get a bet where the losers get a tattoo, I think that's what I want oh, to have yeah. to tattooed. Slutty old geezer. Slutty old geezer with a big anchor right across yeah, the back. That's great. I, I love want, it. I, I need it to be tasteful though. I and I don't know In where. In like cursive writing, like as if it was written like, by a nice quill. Also, like, like yeah, like calligraphy, like, Something, like yes. script. I want like, to do like an American classic with like the anchor on the arm and then American, like a sailor. That's thing. right. Oh, yeah. sailor, okay. an old sailor Jerry um, tattoo. Yeah. So yeah. regardless, so this fleet now renamed the Second Pacific Squadron again. This is the Baltic Fleet, essentially. Okay. Set sail on October sixteenth, nineteen o four. Under the command of um, Admiral uh, Rosinski. Who has all the yes. all the cards stacked against him. Yes, and you'll see why. That's great. So they set sail. The flagship quickly ran aground and an, esc- and an escort quick cruiser lost its anchor chain. Sure. Um, while the fleet was waiting for the flagship to be refloated, a destroyer accidentally rammed the Oslavia and had to return to port for repair. Oh, oh. They rammed their own ship. <laughs> <laughs> this is as they're leaving. This it's is like, like as they leave. I'm really glad to know what would happen if we ever like formed. we collectively yes. went on a road trip. <laughs> if someone found us and our copies and then put us in command of a navy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is why we're not in charge. So as the fleet <laughs> sets out into the Baltic, they approach What's the left stri- of it. Yes. Um <laughs> they approach the strait between Sweden and Denmark. The fleet receives reports that Japanese torpedo boats have been sighted in the Baltic Sea, somehow having traveled 18,000 miles to attack the Russian fleet. Or flown. Um, yeah. They also hear rumors that the Japanese mine layers had laid mines in the North Sea. Um, they did not question how either of these events were possible. They just accepted them. Right? The ocean. Right around the same time, the Kamchatka... Signal that she was under attack from eight Japanese torpedo boats that appro- approached her from, quote, from all directions. Um, so here's the thing that I found while researching this. You get a feel for the personalities of each ship, and you kind of get to know them on this journey. Kamchatka's my favorite. Okay. We're going to hear from Kamchatka again. Okay. <laughs> so, having definitely evaded the non-existent torpedo boats and uh, <laughs> mines, the fleet arrives in the North Sea. On October 21st... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who was reporting this stuff? 
Uh, what do you mean? Oh, they were just getting reports, like, or correction, I, I'm convinced it was literally, like, a bunch of, like, guys just sitting around, like, you know, uh, Stanislav, he thought he saw, he thought he heard rumor of Japanese torpedo boat in straight, hey. and they're like, oh no, Japanese torpedo boat, better get my vodka. Hey, Peter, Peter, give me that empty bottle. <laughs> give Splash! <laughs> so, no, I, 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 I cannot stress to you how much I, you guys cannot do a Russian accent. Oh no, it's... Why? It's, Why? It's Are you, you don't like my Russian accent? No, I'm saying I... If I oh, had a you dick, actually I would like be it? hard as a rock right now. Huh. Uh, well noted. Um, <laughs> so, notes. on October 21st, um, they spot ships in the fog at a place called Dogger Bank near Britain. Now, they actually spot ships. Yes. Okay. This um, is just like a rumor. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like a bunch of teenage girls. The Russians identified this as a Japanese fleet, and they opened fire. In England. No, near England. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, on the Same board, thing. On the board, you know, some crew members put on life vests, life vests and desperately clung to the uh, deck of the ship, while other crew members grabbed swords and prowled around the deck looking for Japanese borders. And not only were they looking for Japanese borders... Yes, Brittany? Can I ask a question that might sound completely ignorant? Um, I would expect no less. This is, a, this is a 1903, right? Uh, 1904, actually. Right, at this point? Okay. In 1904, what were life vests? I cannot <laughs> imagine they were that good. This is also the Russian That's... Navy. So it's probably like, hey, we think empty milk carton, and put the... <laughs> we take blood out of goat, and we blow air into it, and oh you cling God. onto it for dear life. You, say, you said life vest, and I immediately was like, that can't be super great. Dimitri von Siegel, we blow into the Make it their own neck, there you go! Um... <laughs> It's so a, not only the, so not only are these guys put, like prowling around the deck of the ship carrying swords, guys, like literally, like guys. Yes, I go around. I look for Japanese man boarding boat, and I cut him with saber. Oh, they're coming! Not only are they doing that, they're reporting that they are being boarded. Which causes panic to spread through the entire rest of the fleet. I, honest to God, when you're like when you're just like reading off all these facts, I just picture a guy like like writing in his journal, like, "Oh shit, we're being boarded this right is, now." Yes, honestly, yes. <laughs> I can hear them outside. Tom, <laughs> oh, oh my God, he's like writing Alexander, in like all caps. Alexander, you you must leave bathroom. You have been in there tripping on mushrooms all day. <laughs> It's not good for you, bro. <laughs> Broski? Peter, stop crying in there. We are running operations. <laughs> so, um, the Russian fleet having opened fire, they damaged four enemy ships and they sink one of them. For good measure, they also hit two of their own ships, the Aurora and the Dmitry Donsky. Oh my god. Um, this oh, is all good oh, until oh the god. following morning when they wake, or when daylight reveals that they had not fired on a Japanese fleet, but on British fishing trawlers. <laughs> no, hold on, hold on, hold on. They've got, like, the Russians have... Oh, no, 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 who has allies here? Uh, the Japanese. Are with? The British. And the Russians <laughs> just fired on? British fishing trawl. <laughs> um, the only thing that kept this from being a truly worse incident was atrocious Russian gunnery. Um, one ship, the Oriole, fired 500 shells and didn't hit a single target. Oh. <laughs> but I just, on, I, just want, I was like, I, want, I want, kind of want to back up here. I really love your adjective, atrocious. Yes. I, <laughs> I think it's very apt. So you're telling me that the only thing preventing the, the best Russian fleet 
from engaging in warfare was is Britain, the fact that, was they, the fact that they could hit, hit the anything. broadside of a barn. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That is exactly and right. And these are the guys that they're depending on yes. to go actually fight the to war. Li- yes. Oh my god. Boy, there's Do you a... see why I call it like the Odyssey of the Damned? Oh damn? my god. There's a, there's a lot to unpack here. Like, um, the best case scenario is the worst case scenario. Can you see why I feel really bad for um, Rosnetsky? Like, or Rosanetsky, whatever. Because he's actually semi-competent, and this he's is what he's competent, got. competent, stuck with a fleet full of jackasses. No wonder he's punching out so many teeth. Yes. That's why he, his, that's by how the way, I feel at work. Like this, um, his, um... I, I keep saying staff officers because I'm more familiar with, like, land armies rather than fleets. But essentially, his equivalent of, like, staff officers packed 50, um... Eigle, or what am I thinking of? Binoculars. Binoculars. 50 binoculars for him because they knew he had a picture for just chucking them out to the sea when he was furious. Okay, so we've made it We've made it from St. Petersburg I to England. I imagine he's probably lost 10 of those he's, by now. He's like at least 10 binoculars yes. deep. So the Russian government hurriedly apologizes, but the British government only, or almost enters the war on the side of Japan, uh, only like the French bending over backwards because they desperately want the Russians and the British to help them form an anti-German bloc. The French basically just did anything they could to keep a war from breaking out. Pulled in all those chips. Seriously. Yeah. So, now being shadowed by detachments from the British Royal Navy, because at this point, literally, the British public doesn't know if they're going to go to war with uh, Russia yet or not. They're kicking it around. Um, This fleet uh, sails to Spain, kicks all the officers off for firing on the British, and then makes for Africa. At this point, the fleet lost contact with the Kamchatka. What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, hang on, huh? What? So they kicked off who? They find all the officers who were like... I Find them. No, kicked them off. Fired them. Yes. Like, okay, they but, arrived do you in mean, Spain, they When you docked. say kicked them off, do you mean they literally? Got, they literally got to a port in Spain and said, Hello, yes, all of you people, you are the ones who cause problems, yes? Get off boat. And then they said, go. no, there are Japanese out there. Go, go fuck yourself. You go back on train to, to Russia. <laughs> oh my. Holy shit. So when you say kick off, you mean like... They, they, literally, literally, just, they literally like got there and be like, get off the boat, you're causing problems, go back home. So let me get this straight. So now, at this point, at this point, just to yes. summarize, they have a commander of a fleet... That can barely float with yeah. guns that can't shoot. Yeah. No, the guns can shoot. The people aiming them can't hit anything. <laughs> and they kicked all of the people in charge off. Not all of them, just some of them. How many of them? I don't have an exact number. Oh, My source God. didn't say. Yeah. Um, the, the, the rumor in St. Petersburg doesn't really say. Yeah. So, at this point, the fleet lost com- er, contact with the Kamchatka for about three days. Before she reappears, reporting that she had fired 300 shells in an engagement with Japanese warships. Off the coast of Spain. No, at this point, they're, like, coming towards Africa. Okay. Uh, In actuality, the enemy ships they had fired on were a Swedish merchantman, a German trawler, and a French schooner. (laughs) (laughs) These guys, these guys are naval officers, right? Did you say say a French schooner? Schooner. Schooner. It's I a was, type of boat. Okay. Well, you I know what. Well, no, I know. I know what a schooner is. I just thought you said scooter. No, and no, I'm, not I like, was... not like, not like a razor blade. <laughs> yeah, like, don't be on we are ten. When you like accidentally hit the fuck out of your shin way. Or no, you're on fucking your ankle. ankle. Yup. God, oh, God is fucking. That's what when you said when you said scooter, I was like, God. Even even back no. then, they had so the how many problems. false alarms with Japanese ships have they had yet? Um, many, and they're not done. <laughs> So, but so they don't want to talk are they about aware it. of where Japan is? Theoretically, yes. 
I think <laughs> so. They've got maps, right? Again, theoretically, oh, yes. I actually don't know this is the Russian Navy. <laughs> um, this is only so 1904. I have, so I have a confession here. I have a mental image for the crew of Kamchatka. I picture them as like a bunch of like bearded Russian perverts with like Cossack sabers on their belts. <laughs> and they like sail up to other boats. And they're like, all yes, girls, show me up titties, yeah? And they're like, no, we, we are German, yeah? And they're like, what? No titties must be Japanese. Open fire. <laughs> like, I've just got a mental image for them. And there's a reason why that ship is by far my favorite in this whole story. So I really enjoy, I like, I, me personally, I really like the image of Russian perverts calling tits teats. But teats. that's just me. Show me your titties. <laughs> no, just teats. Like a dog. <laughs> like God. a dog or goat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> show, show your teats. <laughs> um, Jesus we stopped Christ. in south of England, learned many tricks with goats. Show me your teats. <laughs> oh, it's really sad because a lot of these people die. <laughs> Do you fair Spanish goats? You, you laugh and then go... Boy, that's really sad because a lot of these people die. Yeah, a lot of them don't make it out of the story. Oh, cool. God. I'm um, so I'm cool. I'm so laugh. near Dakar, the ships are a resupply and they take on double loads of coal. Now they don't have room for all this coal, so they stack it literally on the decks of these ships. Um, now the problem with that is um, this causes coal dust to spread throughout the entire ship, right? Okay. Well, yeah. Which means that in the humid atmosphere of like off the coast of Africa. It starts causing respiratory infections of the men, and some of them start dying. (laughs) Now you have asthmatic dying sailors. Yes, because literally their lungs are filled with, like, wet coal dust. Oh my god. Great, we have a a a ship full of skinny Steves. Like, right now, it's probably, (laughs) I would say, 70% funny, 30% sad. We're at the point where it starts kind of evening out. We're really tipping those odds. Well, Um, well, I'm a monster, so it's like 20% sad, 80% funny. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I thought this whole story was funny enough to tell, so I don't know what <laughs> so that says that. about me. <laughs> Decisions have um, been made. Right around the same time, Kamchatka spreads panic throughout the fleet when they tried to signal, we are all right now, but accidentally signaled, do you see the torpedo boats? <laughs> <laughs> John, are you sure, are you sure about that last one? <laughs> are you, are you, Wait, okay. Signal. What, like, okay. Victor, Ivan, tell me, did you send that radio call? I cover We send that radio call. Okay, let me see it. You fools! Entire fleet about torpedo boats. We need to talk about Peter. He's trying to do the semaphore flag signals, but. That's it turns out Peter is illiterate. <laughs> so, okay, back... Peter was kicked by mule into the village square. Does not know what is going on. I really like how we're starting off by alienating, like, every potential Russian listener. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Okay, Hello so what, so their signal, is that Morse code? Uh, they have... So, I'm not an expert. At this time, ships are still using flags. Right? Okay. Um, I believe they have radio, but it's super unreliable. <laughs> and... A Morse code would be in use. I'm not sure if it'd be on board a ship, but I mean, it's still, a, it's a commonly used form of... That's what I feel. I was just, just trying to figure out as far as like... Are we sure 
that this is not someone trying to cover up a prank. <laughs> reasonably certain. Um, Could be. Hey, so, hey, guys, 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 guys. You know, we've been, like, firing on the Japanese, the fake Japanese. <laughs> like, what if we, like, signaled that? What if we told the entire fleet that Japanese were right here? <laughs> How great would that be? I Everyone will laugh! Tell me, tell me you would. You would watch. see the entire crew of Suvorov. <laughs> Flip their shit. It'll be so funny. Those guys are so uptight. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't watch a movie of Russian jackass, though. It's This is like Hogan's Navy, but stupider. <laughs> yes. Um, but now that I say that, I really just want to watch a video of you mean just Sergeant like, Nicholas just like jumping in a shopping cart and like rolling down a hill. Hello, welcome to Jackass. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we got the former Soviet state of Uzbekistan. <laughs> Um, okay, so at this point, morale is steadily sinking, so in order to build up morale again, uh, the crew start collecting exotic animals on shore visits, including birds, apes, and <laughs> at least one crocodile, <laughs> and a poisonous snake that bit the commanding officer won the battleships <laughs> before making a home in one of the ship's magazines, the place where people have to run around in a hurry and grab things without being able to see it so they can load the guns to fight. Wily Coyote cartoon. This is fucking absurd. <laughs> it sounds too stupid to be real, but we know it was. Honestly, like, I know Simonov's book. He talks about this. Also, honestly, people. like the white girl in me, her magazine was like, "Oh my god, it hid in the people." No, and then, like, <laughs> and then I immediately like, like clicked and was like, "Oh, like yes. round of a okay." Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, in a few cases, men said they were afraid to sleep for fear of being killed by their new pets. It's like um, Florida. By the way, in one case, I, this is for you. Florida Jesus. man. Um, in one case, a monkey threw a ship's religious icon overboard. <laughs> it was exiled to another vesicle and renamed the Iconoclast. Yes! <laughs> um, to make things even better. Oh, your god is dead. <laughs> your god is dead and we killed him. <laughs> we must take blasphemous monkey and hang it from... Hang it from Superstructure of worship. No, we cannot do it. Just give it to those other guys. They're fuckers. Um, can, can, to make can, you do, can you do me a huge favor yeah. and say dicks out for Harambe in a Russian accent? <clears throat> dicks out for Harambe, yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, to make things yes. even better, at this point, the cooling plant on the Esperance broke down, so the crew dumped tons of rotting meat over the side of the ship, oh. resulting in sharks following the first <laughs> miles. God Damn it. At least one man <laughs> fell overboard and was eaten by them. <gasps> At least. At least one. I, d I still just picture a dude with a journal being like, oh, fuck, Gregory just fell overboard. The day Gregory fell over <laughs> ship was eaten by shark. We all say lucky bastard. <laughs> um, Not sure if shark or Japanese. <laughs> Inquiry beginning. <laughs> Not sure. They both live in water. Could be either. <laughs> Question um, mark? As the ships reached Madagascar, things literally got worse. Um, Admiral Rosentinsky... <laughs> fuck me. Rosentinsky... You know what's so funny me, is I've so, heard you say fuck me three times on this so, so far. Here, look, it is look every at how time... That's spelled. Look at how that's spelled and tell me how you would say that. Rosentinsky is how you're supposed to say it. Can you see why I'm fucking it up every time I try to read well, it? Well, yeah, I also think... But I also think you're an idiot, so there's that. Fuck you. <laughs> Rosetsnitsky. Rosetsnitsky. Like, here's the thing. If I don't think about it, I can say it. The yeah. problem is I'm reading it, so I think about it. So, yeah, don't, um, don't read it. Say it. it. So, he was ill don't and confined it. to his cabin. <laughs> um, meanwhile, his chief of staff, his second in command, 
suffered a brain hemorrhage and was partly <gasps> paralyzed. Damn, son. Um, no one knew who was in command at this point, <laughs> so they just set up outside of Madagascar and confined the entire crew to quarters. <laughs> Malaria, dysentery, and typhoid ran rampant. <laughs> Um, officer, funny. officer, officer, <laughs> the men, uh, the men are shitting. The men are dying. We'll keep them in cabins. We do not want that to get out. <laughs> I don't want to clean up the shit. You clean up the shit. The, the captain so, comes out. He's like, what's the um, smell? He's like, we don't want to talk about it. So this is right around... Malaria, <laughs> I'm going to bed. By the way, this is right around uh, the 29th of December. <laughs> they set sail on October 16th. Um, back at Port Arthur, the Japanese captured Hill Meter 203 on December 5th. And had been bombarding the Pacific Squadron in port with heavy guns the entire time. <laughs> how far? How far have they gone? They're in Madagascar. How far is that from their end destination? Look at a map. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm well, not. A, I'm map. not. A, Can I pull they, up a what map? I'm, what I'm asking is, are they halfway there yet? Um. Here's the thing. They set off from here roughly. Okay. They're now here. They have to get across the entire Indian Ocean. <laughs> can they? Can they go across open water? Do they have to stay near the ports? They have to stay close enough to a basically a place where their resupply ships can find them. Okay, so for the audience, uh, that's, I was the, say- <laughs> that's the equivalent of Google Maps or giving you the best possible route, and you have to take the longest one. Not yes. Not By just way, that, but also Google Maps is giving us a visual representation of. An actual globe. It's not flat. Thank you for that, Brittany. You're welcome. Alienating most of our viewing audience. I just, I just, I just want to point out that our first review. <laughs> this is bullshit. <laughs> think they, these globe cucks think the Earth is round. <laughs> I'm gonna make um, sure this says that. <laughs> it's it's a very common phrase amongst flat earthers. <gasps> is it really? Yes, globe, globe cuck. cuck. It's admittedly one of my favorite insults. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's um, good stuff. I so love they've it. Bom- they've been bombarding the uh, Pacific Squadron in port. Since, again, December 5th. It's now December 29th. Um, okay. Spoiler alert. The Pacific Squadron and Port Arthur surrenders on January 2nd. Their entire plan is predicated on them being able to link up with the Pacific Squadron. Sure. Um, so during one of the many burials at sea the fleet had to perform, one ship, <laughs> either the Kamchatka or the Borodino, I really like to think it's the Kamchatka. I but really like that we don't know which one. I My sores were not clear on which one. <laughs> um, fired Great. a salute, but accidentally used live ammo and hit the Aurora again. <laughs> oh my god! The Aurora's again. literally been shot twice by their own fleet. Is Bugs Bunny somewhere on um, these ships? God. If at this only. point, the men have been at sea so long that the crews are, begin- are beginning to become unhinged. Religious fervor breaks out amongst the ship's crews. <laughs> they start forming cults? <laughs> and in a few cases, mutineers had to be arrested, flogged, and sent back to rush on supply ships because they were becoming too many. In one case, an officer's order of 2,000 cigarettes was confiscated and searched and revealed to be completely filled with opium. Oh my god. So, um, having fired much of the fleet's ammunition at various civilian ships of neutral countries, the fleet was low on ammunition. Luckily for them, a supply ship arrived laden down with crates. However, when the crates were opened, they were discovered to be filled with thousands of fur-lined boots and winter coats. (laughs) They're in Madagascar. (laughs) Also, fun fact, they're at a point now where they've been at sea so long that their um, uniforms are beginning to rot off of them. So you have guys like officers and crewmen walking around just... Butt naked. Looking like the zombie apocalypse. Yes. 
caught when they like get, I said, we're now at the point where it's almost more sad than funny. Yeah, we're tipping when the beer. They, when they get to Madagascar, do they run into like King Julian and like? No, they Marty don't run into and... the um, the labors from Madagascar. No, but if they're smoking enough opening, opium, <laughs> they may be hallucinating. What's that. the other one, Marty? Is Hello, it... look, look, <laughs> Igor, do you see it? Do you see dancing straight monkey? It jumps like a beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to move it softly plays in the background. <laughs> Do I like to move it, move it? Tell me you wouldn't watch. I would Zar, love to hear that. Zar news. Nicholas likes to move it. <laughs> I would very much like to move it. Um, once he recovered from his illness, and suppose I'm assuming after the ship, the fleet has been resupplied with ammunition... Um, Rosnetsky, he orders the fleet to perform guttery practice. So, you know, hello everyone. We did piss poor job shooting at British. So we need to practice shooting at Japanese. <laughs> um, of the entire fleet, only the flagship scored a hit. This is, this is way too late to come to this conclusion. He's doing the best he can. <laughs> wait, okay. So out of the entire fleet. Wait, 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 wait. So what year are we at now? We're in 1905 now. What year did this war start? It started in February of 1904. They're now in January of 1905, I believe. So it's, it's 11 months later. Yes. Fucking killed They me. set sail on October 16th, 1904. Like I said, it's early January. Um, so of the entire fleet, only the flagship, the Suvorov, scored a hit on the tugboat that was pulling their target. <laughs> Of seven torpedoes fired, one jammed, three went in random directions, two slowly, like, just went by the target, and the last one uh, just spun in a circle, causing the fleet to panic and scatter. <laughs> For good measure, the Kamchatka sent a signal that the ship was sinking. When investigated, it was found that she had merely had a cracked steam pipe in the engine room. <laughs> Hello, Commander. Sir. There is cracked steam pipe in engine room. Oh my god, we are sinking. <laughs> somehow, so like, somehow the smallest overreaction. I was yes. literally just because of overreaction, like, it's literally relatable. <laughs> relatable. <Yeah. laughs> um, on January 2nd, Port Arthur surrenders. Uh, and the entire Pacific Squadron is, is either sunk or scuttled. scuttled. On, on 9th of January, Rosnitsky, or Ros Rostinsky is ordered to sit and wait for reinforcements... Um, of the newly formed 3rd Pacific Squadron from the Baltic Sea. <laughs> By the way, they left in, um, October. Mm -hmm. It is now January, and they're being told, stay where you are, wait for a reinforcement. <laughs> We've decided to come to you. Um, it's only, this it's only four months later, is made but that's up fine. Of ship so here's the thing. Rostinsky, I looked up some of his ships. Some of his ships were, uh, commissioned in the early 1880s. So almost 30 years old. Yes, they've been updated. Yeah. But they're old ships. Right. The third squadron is made up of ships that makes Rostinsky's uh, fleet look super duper, to quote our president. <laughs> no, what's, what did he say? Tippy top? Yes. Tippy top. Tippy top. Um, that, I, I lied. Every, every time I've said I want a shirt that says this, I lied. I want a shirt that says tippy top. Our fleet's um, tippy top. <laughs> Um, Rostinsky actually begged his superiors not to send him the reinforcements, saying they would impair his ability to fight the Japanese. Where Where is he located at this point? He's in Madagascar. And he's With supposed King to Julian? stay there. Yes. By the way, you'll like this. 
Uh, the commander of this new fleet, the 3rd Pacific Squadron, received the following order, which is one of my favorite things in this entire story. Quote, You are to join up with Rostinsky, whose route is unknown to us. <laughs> in, other, find it is a, in other words, good fucking luck. We trust you. Uh, um, You're so okay. Ask around. By March 16th, Rostinsky got tired of waiting and left Madagascar. He received that order on January 9th, Keep in mind, in that time, they were already having men beginning to mutiny. <laughs> he was there from January 9th to finally March 26th. He was like, this fucking bullshit. <laughs> we have to get out of here. We watched the lemurs jumping and jumping and There's jumping. There's only so many times you can watch lemurs get eaten by what appear to be giant mongooses. <laughs> Um, I want to be the mongoose. <laughs> so unfortunately, um, from this point, the rest of the journey is relatively uneventful. Unfortunately for Rostinsky, the Third Pacific Fleet or Squadron does catch up to him and link up. <laughs> so, so they're in this state, right? They are literally they're at the point where their uniforms are falling off. Yep. And they're told, "Hey, guess what? Do you get those share your supplies?" <laughs> no, they, they've they've been parked. Off of the coast of one of the hottest yes, locations the, on Earth. Um, they're at war right now, which right. means they can only go into neutral ports for 24 hours before the ships get interned for the duration of the war. And the crew's essentially temporarily so arrested. Oh my god. So you're playing tag and you can only tag. It's literally, yeah. you can only go into a port for like, All right, men, we have 24 hours. Please make it count. Brothels are this way. Yeah. Brothels this way, food this way, take as much as you can, please, dear God. Um, but, they're, but they're in Madagascar, what are the ports like? Here's the only good thing, that is a French colony at this point, okay. and I think the French, I don't know what they were getting out of it, I assume something like cocoa or coffee? Maybe? Vanilla? Lemurs? Entertainment? Uh, <laughs> um, the point is, I feel like the French would at least kind of invest in those ports, yeah. but not enough to handle this many men. Right. This is a huge fleet. But you're the fleet coming from Point Port Arthur, like, oh, thank God, we get to join up with someone. We get no, to... Those guys have all been captured. Oh, my God. I think, like, one or two of them might have been lucky enough to get to Vladivostok, <laughs> um, which is a Japanese warm or cold water port, you know, in that part of the world. I can show you a map later. Please, please um, do. We'll post so maps. Rosinski, aware of how battered his fleet already was, basically planned on avoiding contact with the Japanese and making straight for Vladivostok to rest and refit his ship and get his men back up into fighting shape. Um, Admiral Togo, and I'll talk about him in a second because he's awesome, his opposite number in the Imperial Japanese Navy, guessed that this would be the plan roughly and based his fleet out of Korea where they could cover the two main straits into the Sea of Japan, the Korea Strait and the Tsushima Strait. <laughs> so, streets. really quick, I want to go into um, Togo Hachihiro. Who is? Uh, he is the commander of the Japanese combined fleet in this war. Okay. Um, basically, he had been involved in the Navy before uh, the Empire of Japan was formed. Okay. He was originally, I think he joined up with the Navy formed by the Satsuma Domain, and... Um, it's not Hokkaido. I can't think of the, the bottom-most island, the mm -hmm. last big island of the Japanese archipelago. Um, he had been at the Imperial Navy War College in Japan. He was admitted he was sent to Britain to serve on a British ship and gain experience from them. Uh, he commanded a cruiser during the First Sino-Japanese War, and he had served as commandant of the Imperial Japanese Naval War College. Um, funnily enough, before this, he was actually thought of as a fortunate but average officer, Actually, the only reason why he had his command was Emperor Meiji personally stepped in 
and essentially said, this man is lucky I want him in command of this fleet. Oh my god. Um, after this, he will be considered one of the great admirals in all naval history. Basically, the Japanese could not have prepared this place as a battlefield better. They had laid out mines. Um, they had basically invested heavily in maintenance facilities. So, throughout the entire war up to this point, Japan has had ships that have been damaged. However, every damaged ship of any worth that they had was repaired and ready to fight in time for Tsushima. Literally, whereas uh, Rostinsky is bringing, like, a battered fleet that is, like, operating at, like, 60%, at the same time, Togo is getting his entire fleet back up as good as he can get them. Uh, there's also major differences in terms of uh, the quality of their navies. Japan's navy, every ship had been built within the 1890s, if not sooner. Uh, I believe Togo's flagship, I think she's the Musashi, she had been built in like 1904 or something crazy. She was brand so No, it was 1904. She's a brand modern ship. Ships. More importantly, uh, basically the Russian Navy is filled with conscripts who don't want to be there. They have to serve for seven-year terms. They're not allowed to marry in that time. Pay's not great. Service in the Russian Navy, if you were conscripted, wasn't a good thing. Uh, meanwhile, the Japanese... Uh, were either volunteers, like they could have some conscripts, but they were primarily volunteers who saw the Navy as like this exciting high-tech alternative to the Army mm -hmm. and was thought as a really good career field. Even their um, conscripts usually decided to stay on and sign on full-time as a full career once their term so service it's, was it's up. like an actual way to live. It is literally, like you would have guys who would stay in the Navy until the mandatory retirement age. Oh my gosh, wow. so often. Like the difference in quality is striking. Despite all of this, in terms of big ships, the Japanese are outnumbered by the Russians. And, I mean, on paper, Russia should still have this in the bag, despite all of this. Just based on sheer numbers? Based on sheer numbers, I mean, the difference in ship quality... I think within, um, with hindsight, we can look at it and go, oh yeah, the Japanese fleet was clearly superior... But, I mean, it's not that superior. I mean, yeah. keep in mind, the Russians have, like, three or four of the Borodino-class ships, which are brand new. They're excellent quality. And, I mean, you have enough experienced officers. But where are those located? Are they located? No, they're with this fleet. Okay. Uh, the Suvorov, the Borodino, I, which one is it? Oslava, I think, was one. Sure. Oslava. Um, so, basically, what this comes down to is... The Japanese had a plan and the Russians didn't. Yeah. The Russians' entire plan was to exist, essentially exist as what's called a fleet in being. And that's where this fleet, just kind of by the present or by the fact that it's existing and out there, is going to force the Japanese to divert resources to look for it. The Japanese adopted a Mahanian strategy, which is um, from the works of Alfred Thayer Mahan. We'll talk about him too. Uh, essentially, their whole plan is find the Russian fleet and kill it. Or kill it, or damage it so badly that it's functionally out of the war. So at three, so the Russians are trying to attract the Japanese. Whereas the Japanese, the Japanese already are have literally target. kind of like just by the fact that they're out there, they're hoping to kind of scatter the Japanese fleet enough because the Japanese fleet are gonna. They have to look for it just they based have, on size. They have to protect the Sea of Japan so they can keep supplying their armies on land. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Whereas, meanwhile, the Japanese are like, if we take out that fleet, that's it. Right. We win. So, at 3.30 a.m. on May 26th, the Russian fleet is sighted in the Tsushima Straits between Japan and Korea. Togo rapidly moves to intercept, and by the morning of the 27th, the two fleets are almost in contact. 
Now, with how uh, Toga's fleet is arranged, his cruisers, his lighter ships, are going to be the first to make contact. So he takes a huge gamble and basically has his fleet do an entire semicircular turn within range of the Russian fleet. Mm-hmm. If this were against the British, this would be a career-ending move. This is, like, lose the war level of gamble. Wow. Again, something kind of consistent we see with the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Big gamblers. Yeah. Doesn't always pay off. <laughs> They're willing to roll the dice. Yes. Um, however, the Russian fleet could not take advantage of this opportunity. The two fleets rearranged themselves. Now Togo with all of his big ships up front. And they start exchanging fire at the relatively co- close range of eight miles. Uh, within 20 minutes, Japanese gunnery had begun to take its toll. Osliaba had a hole blown into its side and it sank immediately. The Suvorov, Rostinsky's flagship, was set afire and Rostinsky himself was wounded and knocked unconscious. He's actually evacuating off his ship. Wow. Uh, for the best at this yes. point. Yes. And here's the thing. I do want to say this. Say whatever you want about these Russian sailors. They were not lacking in courage. The oh, Suvorov, God, no. The Suvorov, as it's sinking, literally as long as they have a single gun above water, it was firing until it went under. <laughs> That's what... You know um, what? I will... I, you know me. I love Russian history. You you have a thing for Russians. I, I really do. I I would agree with you. Yeah, they they the, are very courageous people. These, I have nothing but sympathy and frankly a lot of respect for these people oh, because sure. I sure shit wouldn't want to be here. So the Borodino shortly after Suvorov sinks, the Borodino also explodes. Oh my god! So those are literally their three big ships. They lose all of them very quickly. So by now, the Russians have lost both their leadership and their best ships. Uh, Fighting continues into the night as the Russian fleet scatters and just tries to make it. Like, somewhere. Just desperately Some of them try to flee. Others try to just run through the Japanese fleet and make it for Vladivostok. Um, Others, realizing that their ships are fucked, they just sink them themselves rather than let the Japanese capture them. (laughs) Um, So, of eight Russian battleships, five were sunk and three were captured. Of ten cruisers, four were sunk, one was captured, and four were interned in neutral ports. I think Yikes. three of them like, were in the Philippines, another one went to, I think, a British colony or a British holding in China. Only one of them, I'm pretty sure she's the Aurora, who actually plays a big part in the um, October Revolution, mm-hmm. you know, a while later. Uh, I think she makes it to Vladivostok. She's one of the few survivors of this battle. I'm not positive she makes the blood most stock. Of other major ships, 9 out of 12 were sunk or captured. Unfortunately, the Kamchatka was also included in those losses. Never forget. By comparison, the Japanese lost 3 torpedo boats. To put this into human terms, the Russians lost 13,000 men killed, captured, or interned. The Japanese lost 700 killed or wounded. Oh my goodness. Wow. I believe it's actually 500 wounded Japanese and I think like 130 to 200 oh killed. Oh my goodness. This is a fucking shellacking. This is... Wow. Here's the thing. So if we're going to talk about this as a decisive, I mean, first off, it ends the war. Not immediately, but Russia is... Fun- they can't win anymore. Right. They it's just about hit- putting the nails in the coffin. It's literally, at this point, the Russians are just trying to get better terms. Like, their whole thing is like, well, if we kill more Japanese, maybe we'll get something a little bit better at the peace deal. But that's all they can hope for. They can't win this. Um, If you believe Barbara Tuckman in The Guns of August, she posits that this is basically, like, Russia getting their ass handed to them so badly in this battle is essentially what makes the Germans feel better about declaring war on them in 1914. 
<laughs> like, I mean, potentially, if you believe that, the effects of this are huge. Regardless of that, this leads to the 1905 revolution, where uh, Russian protesters march on the Winter Palace, and Tsar Nicholas II basically writes like an abdication letter, and then has his uh, guards fire on people and kills them for a job that he doesn't even want. This is why I'm not a fan. And then basically plants the seeds for the Russian monarchy to be overthrown in 1917. All right. So, I mean, this is, again, if you follow those dominoes, this is where we get Lenin and Stalin. Like, this this starts knocking down some dominoes. It starts setting the stage for most of 20th century history. Yes. It is a hugely decisive battle. And also, frankly, this is kind of, I think, where Japan gets the idea that they can take on anyone and win. And we see where that leads them uh, in the Second World War. <laughs> I mean, again, ju- not even like trying to be funny. This is just no, no, like, no. I'm just. I, no, no, I agree. I, I was. I was thinking about it, and I was like, Ugh, oh yeah, that shit. doesn't go well for them. Right, no. exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's um, honestly, the battle itself is fascinating. Uh, what was the name of the book I had? Because I had a few. Um, Tsushima, nineteen oh five, death of a Russian fleet. If you're, if you want like a quick rundown of this battle in particular. That book's fucking great, and the Battle of Tsushima by uh, Semenov is great. That is like it's it's literally him just going through what he's doing during the battle, and I mean it's nuts. It's you know he's talking to people, and they're like, "Uh, you need to go to hospital." And he's like, "Why do I need to go to hospital? Look at your leg." And he looks, and he's like standing in this big puddle of blood because oh, of God. like a metal splinter gone through, <laughs> stabbed into his wow. leg, and he didn't even feel it. It's a nuts. Russians but, are kind of just, like, on another level. The thing with Russia, historically and militarily, is, like, I feel like they start off most of the, war, the wars they fight with a huge disadvantage in terms of, like, organization and everything. And if that doesn't put a nail in their coffin immediately, like it does in World War One, I, I think, like, if it isn't an immediately mortal wound and they're able to get through that, they become frighteningly powerful. Right. It's, it's basically they start off really badly, and if they can get through that early game, then they get really good. It's just about overcoming the disadvantages yes. of superior technology on the part of other yeah. armies. Yeah. And that's the other thing with this, too. I mean, this is a time period where, like, ship, countries are literally bankrupting themselves just to make good navies, and Russia's just falling so far behind. They just can't keep up. Oh, my gosh. Like, God bless them. They tried so hard. And then, again, it's one of those sad things where... You look at those Russian sailors, and it's like, the courage was there. And these are even people who didn't even want to be in the Navy. Like, they're conscripts. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. (laughs) This has been Drunk Thunks, where we get together, get drunk, and tell stories from history. Uh, You can find us on social media. Uh, It'll be Drunk Thunks at uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, And, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Hope you come back. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. (laughs)